Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you again this Sunday morning. I'm so glad you've joined us. And don't we have a good-looking worship leader this morning? No. Um, well, we do. She's my wife. I can say that. Um, but it's great to be with you again this morning. Hey, I've got a few um, quick updates I want to give you uh, before I jump into my message this morning. Um, one of them is we're looking for, for some volunteers. That we're, we're wanting to put together a bit of a team of volunteers to prepare the building uh, for when we are ready to re-enter. And so if you are able to help out, can you just uh, maybe use the Connect card or, or let us know right now while you're thinking of it that you uh, have a, an hour or two over the course of the next couple of weeks and uh, we can do some cleaning, we can set some chairs up, we can do some sorting out of some, uh, some things while practicing our social distancing, of course. Uh, that would be fantastic. Also, can I encourage you, you know, there's some things that we need to, to think of as we begin to um, plan to re-enter the building. Um, can I encourage you to download the COVID Safe app? Um, that's going to help us. Can I encourage you to, to practice, continue to practice washing your hands and, and personal hygiene, all those things leading up to um, re-entering the building. Um, there is a, a really good chance that we're going to have a transition period of, um, of re-entering the building as well. Uh, so there'll be a combination uh, in weeks to come of in-person and online services. So there will be no pressure for you to jump straight into physical gatherings. Again, if you don't feel uh, ready for that yet, there will be a time of transition where we do both. And then we are also planning and hoping to continue online um, and online services some description going into the future as well. The other exciting thing that we're planning in the next uh, few weeks is some baptisms. So um, if you are wanting to be baptised, um, we'd love for you to let us know. Use the Next Steps card or reach out to, to one of the pastors and let us know. Uh, and we can plan that and, and work out the logistics of how we do that um, at the moment. So uh, really excited to, to be able to share in a, in a baptism service coming up soon. All right, let's jump into the message for this morning. Uh, we're going to continue our series in Philippians. This is our fourth week and we're uh, finishing off, off chapter two of Philippians. Uh, we've been talking about this journey to joy um, and uh, what I shared in the first couple of weeks around this idea that joy comes as we look at our life through Jesus rather than looking at our life. Sorry, say that again. Joy comes as we look at our life through Jesus rather than looking at Jesus through our life. You know, a lot of the times we look at our circumstances and we try to see Jesus in our circumstance. Paul does the opposite of this. He looks at Jesus and, and through that lens, he sees his circumstance. And he finds joy no matter the circumstance because of that lens that he looks through. Last week, Lauren shared um, around this idea of humility and being united with each other about serving others and about not grumbling or arguing. And it was fantastic uh, encouragement for us to think about how we think about and how we uh, treat other people in our world. Paul's going to go on in this, in this next passage we're about to read to talk about two examples of, of men that do this uh, in his world. So let's read this passage together. Philippians 2, starting at verse 19 through to 30. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his, his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. 
Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honour, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning and we thank you for the opportunity to gather once again to encourage one another, to be encouraged by you, to worship, to fix our gaze upon you. And God, we pray that you would use my words this morning, you would use your Holy Spirit to to speak to our hearts, to encourage us, to challenge us and to spur us on to action. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know what it was like growing up in your household, if you grew up with some siblings or, or who you grew up with, but um, I know for us there's always, and it continues to this day, to be an argument or general conversation around who is the favourite child. You know, um, you've, you, you might be the favourite child, you might think someone else is the favourite child. I know sometimes people in my family, my brothers and sisters, think I am. I don't think I am. I think probably Rochelle is or... Any, any of the others, I don't know. Um, you know, but we have these jokes about who's the favourite or they get the special treatment or they get the special treatment. If you're sitting with your family right now, maybe just all on the count of three, point to who you think is the favourite in the family. One, two, three. Well, that'll be interesting. I hope I didn't start a fight. I hope you can concentrate still. Um, but, you know, we've all got uh, maybe that sort of um, scenario going on in our families, but... Regardless, we've all got people in our life that are our favourites. You know, those people that are just our people, the people that we just get, that get us, the people that we love to do life with, the people that we love to connect with, the people that maybe even this week as we um, were able to have five people over at our homes were the first people that we thought of to say, hey, let's grab some dinner together. We need to see each other in, in the flesh. You know, we've all got our people, our tribe, our person. You know, and I think Paul has his people, and Timothy and Epaphroditus are a part of those people, the people that he just loves, the people that he wants to do life with. You know, and this morning I want to talk about this idea that our journey to joy is made complete by those we journey with. Our journey to joy is made complete by those we journey with. So my question for you this morning is, who is in your tribe? Who is uh, your personal? Who are your people? We all have them, the people that are closest to us. For Paul, it was Timothy. He was like Paul's person, his, like his son or his brother, his um, chosen um, companion, the person that, that Paul wanted to spend so much time with and was so encouraged by. And Epaphroditus wasn't quite at the same level as Timothy, but nonetheless was still one of Paul's quite close companions that Paul was still really encouraged by. In fact, Paul says that he's, he finds joy in these relationships with these two guys. 
So we all have people that we journey with. We all have people that we travel alongside. And we do this because they bring us joy, because we like it. We enjoy their presence. Otherwise, we wouldn't spend time with them. They wouldn't be our people. We would move them aside and find someone else. And so the question is not, do the people around you bring you joy, but do they bring you the right sort of joy? Do they bring you joy in the way that, that God intends them to bring joy? For Paul, joy was something that he lived with every day, through highs and lows. He lived with joy. And part of this joy came from others who shared the same goal as he did. They were Jesus-focused people. And they were others-focused. You know, the first chapter of Philippians talks about this Christ-minded, this single-minded attitude that Paul has. And then this second chapter is all about being others-focused. And Paul finds in Timothy and Epaphroditus these two characteristics, that they are Christ-centred, Jesus-focused, and they are others-focused as well. So following on from last week, from the first um, half of Philippians 2, we see Paul's emphasis on submission, humility, servanthood, unity. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for Jesus. It's not just for Paul, but it's for Timothy. It's for Epaphroditus. It's for everyone. It's for you and for me. Philippians 2 verse 3 to 4, let's just recap some of um, what we looked at last week. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. You know, I really think that, um, you know, we strive for unity so often. And unity comes primarily through being others-focused. When we focus on other people, on their need, on their concern, on where they are at in life, it brings us together. Unity comes as we are others-focused. And Timothy and Epaphroditus were personal examples of being other people-focused. You know, Paul talks about humility in the sense of this is the theory of it, this is how we are to do it. And then he says, look at Timothy, look at Epaphroditus. These two guys are examples of what I've just been talking about so far in this letter. So I want to quickly look at Timothy and then I want to look at Epaphroditus, what they do and what we can learn. So the first half of this passage that we've read Um, verses 19 to 24, talks about Timothy and how Paul hopes to send Timothy um, to the church at Philippi. Uh, And then he talks about, in verse 24, have no one else like-minded who would genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character. He has served with me in gospel ministries like a son. Therefore, I hope to send him soon. You know, even at the start of Philippians, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, we, we sort of skimmed over this verse in the first week. Um, but here I want to bring it back to our attention. It, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. You know, right at the start of this letter, Paul sort of um, includes Timothy in the authorship of this letter. Now, there's no doubt that Paul wrote Philippians by himself. Timothy wasn't there when he wrote it, or Timothy didn't pen a letter. In the book of Philippians, Paul uses the word we or our only twice, but he uses the word I 20-something times. It's very clear when you read the book of Philippians, it's written by a singular person, not two people. But Paul here includes Timothy at the start because of how close Timothy is to Paul and because he knows that Paul is like-minded. You know, in verse 20, I have no one else that is like-minded 
who genuinely cares for your interests, who is so concerned for the gospel. So Timothy is so with Paul. They are so close together in their partnership that Paul includes Timothy in, his, in the beginning of this letter to say, you know, I know that Timothy thinks this as well. These are Timothy's words as they are much my words. Paul loved Timothy. Timothy loved Paul. They were great friends together and a great example of uh, what it looks like to walk in unity with someone. Um, they were like-minded. It says here that um, he was like-minded and it says that uh, he continued to, to live out the things that, that Paul was talking about. And so I want to look at this, this idea that, that Timothy exhibits this servant mindset in the way he thinks, in his attitudes. He doesn't serve reluctantly, but he serves with love. You know that there's people and there's times in our life where we have people serve us or do something for us and it's not because they necessarily want to do it, but because they have to. Maybe it's their job. Um, maybe it's because mum or dad told them they have to do it. Or maybe for a, a million reasons, someone just reluctantly goes, okay, I'll do this thing for you. And I mean, it's good that they do it, but at, at the end of the day, it never comes across like love. It never comes across in a way that encourages us because we know that they didn't want to do it. If it was their choice or if they had any say in it, they would just avoid it. And so Paul is saying Timothy is not just someone who does things reluctantly, but he is a servant in his mind, in his heart, in his attitude, in his very being. What he thinks is this, how can I serve? How can I love? Timothy is demonstrating what Paul has talked about, to have this attitude of a servant. And so this morning I want to give you some characteristics of what I think a servant-minded person thinks in their mind of how they, of how they um, reason in their heart. The first one is this, that they are someone who listens to understand. They listen to understand. Uh, someone who has this servant-minded um, attitude will take the time to listen in every situation. It's their first instinct, not their second. They want to understand before they want to be understood. So many of us want to get our voice and our opinions out there. But someone who has this servant-minded characteristic is someone who is quick to understand and they want to understand first. They generate high trust and high um, amounts of uh, love and friendship and, and commitment to someone as they listen and understand. They listen to understand. They, they practice acceptance and empathy. Like understanding, we want to go beyond just hearing someone but we want to empathise. We want to see life through someone else's point of view. Accepting people for who they are. Not always just accepting when they perform well or when they're doing the right things, but just accepting people for who they are, as they are. Someone who's servant-minded also practices awareness and perception. They have a great sense of what's going on around them. They are considerate and conscientious. They're able to do this because they're humble. They're thinking about other people more than they're thinking about themselves. You know, if I was to define what humility was, I would say it's, it's the ability or, or when we think of others more than we think of ourselves. Humility is not necessarily thinking ourselves as a lesser person, but it's just having other people in mind more than we have ourselves in mind. Another thing a servant-minded person does is they keep on learning. They always have this mindset of, I need to know more, I need to learn more, I don't have all the answers. You know, there's nothing like someone who's a know-it-all, 
who has the answer to every problem in life. Someone who's servant-minded has this, I need to lean in. I can learn something from you. I can learn something from this situation. And I'm willing to. I'm willing to, to humble myself and learn. So Timothy was someone who was servant-minded. But he was someone who was always also servant um, in his action, in his ministry. And some characteristics of someone who was a who was a servant in their actions is, I think, the way they use their language, the way they speak. People who are servant uh, in their action don't just repeat phrases, but they're able to articulate message in a variety of ways to the, to, to the person that's listening. They pick their words carefully and intentionally. They don't just speak the first things that come to their mind. They're careful in the way they, they speak to people. They create these you know, light bulb moments for people. You know, The people that speak uh, in a way that they enable you to come up with your own realisations, your own um, understandings of situations. They don't just force information down your throat. I think people who are servant in, their, in the way they speak do this for us. People who are servant in action, they also show initiative. They don't uh, sit back waiting for someone else to take the lead on situations, but they lean in and think, what can I do? How can I show initiative in this situation? How can I serve? They look for situations to take initiative in. They don't walk with their head down and their eyes closed, but they walk slowly with their head up and their eyes open, looking for the situation as it presents itself to serve, to love, to help someone. They take risks. They're not afraid of failure. Jesus did this all the time, didn't he? There were so many times he was walking through a town or on the way to something, and he had somewhere to be. He had important things to do, but he walked at a pace that he was interruptible. He was able to be interrupted and to show initiative in the way he loved people. He was seeing needs as he walked along. He wasn't just single-minded in his, in his focus. Something else I think someone who is servant in their action does is they practice stewardship. They use their resource and their time to the best of their ability to serve the gospel. They're not wasteful or careless in managing what they have. They are trustworthy kind of people. I think Timothy was all these things and more to Paul and to others, to everyone he came into contact first. He loved others first. He loved them in the way he thought about them and he loved them in the way he served them in action. And Paul um, had so much joy when he saw Timothy live this way because he was like-minded. Timothy loved others more than himself and for the sake of them coming to know Jesus fully. Our, joy, our journey to joy is made complete by those we journey with. Epaphroditus is the second example that Paul gives us. And Epaphroditus was uh, who came to Paul um, in Rome to give him a gift from the Philippi church and um, Epaphroditus was someone who was there and sort of sent by the church at Philippi to, to serve Paul and to help Paul and to minister to him as he had need. And Epaphroditus was someone who was commended for his faith. He's someone who was the example of Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Epaphroditus had this incredible faith to, to even travel to Rome in the situation that Paul was in. Epaphroditus put his life on the line 
because he could have easily been caught up in what Paul was in prison for and Paul was at risk of being executed for, for being in prison and Epaphroditus could have easily just been um, caught up in all that and lost his life at the same time. And so that was a huge risk and a huge amount of faith for Epaphroditus to go to Rome to visit Paul in prison and to serve him and to be in ministry with him. Epaphroditus goes to Paul for his encouragement and his support regardless of the risk that he faced. And Paul uses an interesting word. I just want to pick up one word here that Paul uses to to describe Epaphroditus. He uses this um, in the last verse here, in verse 30. He came so close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life. And that word, risking his life, is this word, I'm going to try to pronounce it, but it's going to be way off. Parabulululamahi. It's a mouthful. But it's the word that, it's the only time in the New Testament I can see this word being used. It's the word that is um, translated as gambler in this time. Someone who was a gambler, who literally lived by the roll of the dice. And this is the word that Paul uses to describe Epaphroditus, that he was living in a way that was like a, I'm going to stake this on the roll of a dice. You know, Epaphroditus was someone who was a risk taker, full of faith and following Jesus no matter if the dice didn't roll in his favour. And this brought great joy to Paul. Because Epaphroditus wasn't so concerned with hanging on to his earthly existence as he was with the gospel spread through his faithful obedience. And Paul chose to point out Epaphroditus and his faith. And he commended it. And he chose to walk closely with Epaphroditus. And he, was, and he found joy in watching and being served and walking alongside this guy. Our journey to joy is made complete by those we journey with. And so the challenge for us this morning is this. Are we a Timothy or an Epaphroditus to somebody? Are we in someone's tribe? Are we in someone's corner? Are we serving them like Timothy and Epaphroditus did? Living a life full of faith and helping someone experience joy in Jesus? Are we that kind of person to someone? thinking of others first, taking great risks of faith as we serve Jesus. And the second question is this. Do we have these kind of people in our world? Do we have these kind of people in our tribe as our favourites that not just bring us joy and have a good time with, but really spur us on to live in a way that Jesus wants us to, to be thinking about others first and to be taking steps of faith as often as we can? Are our people these kind of people? Are they ones that serve others for the sake of Jesus? Are they full of faith, more concerned with Jesus and the gospel than they are with their own life? You know, the great thing is we get to choose the kind of friend we are to others. And we get to choose the kind of friends we gather in our own life. Our journey to joy is made complete by those we journey with. So let's make make sure we choose to be these kind of people. And let's make sure we choose to include these kind of people close in our life. Because as we do, we'll find great joy, no matter the circumstance, no matter the season of life we are. And we'll see great gospel spread as we journey together for the sake of Jesus. Can I pray with you as we finish? Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you for the encouragement, for the challenge that it is to us in our hearts. And we pray 
that we would be this kind of friend to people, that we would think of others first and serve others. We'd be serving in the way we think, we'd be serving in the way we live, and that we'd also take steps of faith, that we would risk, um, take great risks for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Jesus. We wouldn't live with fear. And God, we pray that as we do that, we would experience the joy that you have for us every day, in every season, in every way. God, we thank you for this, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Can I encourage you to stick around and to jump on the Zoom after party? Um, Kids and families, now that you've um, enjoyed your kids' ministry before the service, you have the opportunity to to jump on as well. Um, And it'll be great to see some kids run around in the background and and say g'day, g'day, g'day. Oh my gosh, Brad, can you speak? Say g'day to everyone. There you go. Um, But uh, have a great week and we'll see you again next Sunday. And I look forward to seeing you then.